Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. So there are 37 different words in the Hebrew Bible that describe joy. 37. In a language that doesn't have a ton of words, 37 of them are used in the Hebrew Bible to describe joy. This is what I'm learning as a recovering, like whatever you want to call it, okay? My word of the year is joy. And uh, in my study and in my just, I'm trying to read a lot, study a lot, hear from people a lot on all these things. This was interesting, 37 different Hebrew words in the Hebrew Bible that describe joy. If you're not aware, when I use the term Hebrew Bible, that's specifically like the Old Testament, okay? But I'm just using, it's the proper name for it, okay? And so um, that's what that is. If you're thinking like the Hebrew Bible, is that a different thing? No, that's in the front of your Bible, okay? 37 different words. Joy, listen, here's the interesting thing. Joy is less a word in the Bible and more a concept, okay? I mean, it's a lot of things. The most repeated commands in, in Scripture center around this word group, right? The most repeated commands in Scripture. Rejoice, be glad, be joyful, be grateful, right? And they all come around to a very uh, similar root word, a root word in some cases, but it's interesting. Um, I don't think we can take a lot of theology, meaning like just because something's repeated the most, okay, might not necessarily mean a ton, but I will say this, is we do know the most important scriptures. Jesus was asked that question, what's the greatest command? Well, love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one's like it, love your neighbors yourself. And I will tell you this, is the repeating of something over and over and over again tells me that that may be a way that we live out the greatest command. Okay, and so it's just kind of fascinating, right? Rejoice, be glad, be joyful. This is the most commanded stuff in Scripture. That's kind of crazy, right? I kind of wish, you know, at some point you'd be like, can we add a little more like don't kill and don't do those kind of things? But you get it, right? C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. Right? I love that. Sometimes we forget that you know, in the, in the parables and in the stories when Jesus is telling about when someone, uh, when something is lost and it's found, is there's great joy in heaven going on. And I love this quote, joy is the serious business of heaven. I want us to anchor ourselves to this passage, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, right? This is from Jesus. This is our King. Just as the Father has loved me and I have also loved you, remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My commandment is this, to love one another just as I have loved you. So why is this important? Why are we kind of anchoring ourselves to this repeatedly is a couple things. Number one, have you, do you attribute 
joy to the person of Jesus. Okay, is he's saying, listen, I'm telling you these things so that the joy that's in me will be in us, and that will be complete, okay? As many of you guys know, I constantly, in, in my attempt to learn scripture and to, and to live it and, and, and all these things, I have to paraphrase things and kind of get things into wrapping my mind around this. And for me, this is John 15. I've given you the ways to truly live in this world Follow them because my joy fully and completely accompanies them. Now love each other just like I have you, okay? That's that's what goes on in my head. And I'm thinking about that going, that's probably pretty important, okay? Is this idea of joy. I'm not sold on this, but I'm working through it. John Piper has this quote about, you know, how do you define joy? He says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world, okay? I kind of like that. I've, I've, I've been gravitating towards that. If you're, if you're hearing me say that I'm saying this is Jesus' definition of joy, I'm not saying that, okay? This is one man saying, here's how I wrap my mind around this. And at first I was like, can we say that there's a good feeling and that's a good thing? Can you say that in church? I wonder, I kind of tripped up, I'm like, but here's the interesting thing is, is joy is a good feeling. But we're not equating it to joy and happiness that the world does. But I kind of like that. It's a good feeling in the soul, in that immaterial part of who we are, in that part of us that isn't worldly and all of those things. He says, it's a good feeling. And I kind of like the idea of him saying that the Holy Spirit causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. And that helps me understand joy as being something that can transcend circumstances. Because now all of a sudden, if it's the Holy Spirit causing me to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world, that can happen in tragedy. That can happen in suffering. That can happen in circumstances when normal happiness and joy have no room, right? It's the Holy Spirit, and it's often, there's a lot of us in here, you've experienced this before, a time of suffering or a time where you're down or something like that, and there's been something in the Word of God or something you've seen God do, and it has made your soul leap, right? That's where I start going, oh, maybe I'm learning something about this thing called joy, of how it can happen even in suffering and how can it happen here. So this is just one guy and I'm just sharing it with you, okay? So as we've gone through this is last week we, we navigated our way through this idea of humility, right? It's, it's what I call the soul essential, okay? Or whatever, however you want to take that, right? <laughs> uh, but this idea of humility and this is, Essentially, what Jesus is talking about here is, is hey, uh, just as the Father has loved me and I've loved you, remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. And it's this idea of, hey, come and follow me. But there's a humility to be taught, right? A, a teachable humility, a humility that I have to come to Jesus, not trying to make something of myself, right? Not buying into the world's definition of, like, keep. 
like comparing and competing with the world, right? It's a humility that he talks about here where he's saying, again, jumping down to right in the middle, he says, I've said these things to you. Like specifically these very near verses, I've said to you, remain in my love and follow my commands because I want my joy to be in you, okay? And so there's that, that aspect of going, okay, hey man, am I getting in the way just from a lack of humility and trying to make so much of me that I can't even be taught by Jesus or his word or by other spirit-filled brothers and sisters or anything like that, okay? And so we talked about that last week and he says, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this. So he gives us the answer to what he just commanded us, okay? If you're going, all of the commands of Jesus? Well, in, this, in effect, yes, he's saying all of the commands of Jesus. But then he says, my command is this, which is kind of fascinating. This, this permeates, I think, its way through almost everything he commands. My command is this. You love one another just as I have loved you. And thinking, okay, so what you're saying is when I buy into this, love others as I have loved you, I'm going to remain in your love. I'm going to live in your love. I'm going to abide in your love. And your joy is going to be in me. And it's going to be complete. That, that's pretty fantastic. That's pretty fantastic, okay? So he's telling us this has something distinctly to do with how we love others right here, okay? If you're a visual person, okay, I mean, could you imagine this being like this beautiful garden, these fruits and vegetables, and, and man, how amazing this looks. Kind of like what could maybe a, a visual representation of a healthy soul. Full of the fruits of God and of Jesus and full of kindness and joy and patience and just this beautiful bounty, okay? Except here's the interesting thing. Something can happen sometimes to where kind of the insides can look like this. Right? It starts rotting away. Right? We go from the optimum there of going, man, this is remaining in Jesus. This is this is like obeying his commands and following him and him being able to go, man, I'm working this really great thing and I want you to love others as I have loved you. But things happen in life. It would be great if life was totally linear and it was like whatever you learn today, you'll never unlearn again. You'll have to, you just like, it's, it's logged in. That's how you're going to do it. You don't have to relearn except we aren't built that way, right? is we have to continually relearn and things keep introducing themselves into our lives that start taking that beautiful produce and that fruitful kind of like healthy spirit and soul inside of us to begin to wither away, okay? And there's a culprit that I'm learning. Um, there's a culprit and it's probably a culprit that some of us might be able to, to maybe recognize in ourselves, okay? And it's this. This is a big one. Critical spirit. The chief priest with the scribes and elders mocked him and said, he saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we'll believe him. Right? 
you start to see, man, the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, man, there's such a critical spirit. Jesus is on the cross, and it made sense to them that let's criticize, right? Instead of looking for truth, let's be critical, okay? This is what we learn in Scripture. Luke 7, this man, if he were a prophet, this is from Simon, the Pharisee. This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who's touching him. She's a sinner. All right? Just a critical spirit. Unable to see, what, what is Jesus doing in my home right now? But a critical spirit takes us different places, okay? Luke 15, the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eat with them, Okay? It's easy on our side of things to look back when the story's already been written and we have like a nice leather-bound copy of it and go, man, those guys were so wrong and so misguided and they didn't get it and we wouldn't do that and all those things. Except there's something innate in all of us is to be critical and complain and find something wrong and all of these different things, okay? It's happened way back when. When the people said, why did you ever bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? The complaining and the critical, God, why did you take us into this land? Did you take us to kill us? Right? We start recognizing, man, a critical spirit, a complaining attitude. Wow, man, I mean, we've seen, we've seen where these things go. Therefore, the Jews started complaining about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How could he now say, I've come down from heaven? Right? A critical spirit we're going to find oftentimes doesn't allow us to slow down and pay attention to truth in anyone. Yeah. Okay? It's this shotgun kind of quick bang. I know what's going on. How can he say that? He's up there. What do you mean by that? Okay? And so this is just giving us a little bit of a snippet of some of the background that we read in Scripture um, through this, okay? Have you ever felt that way? Like, always finding ways that things just don't go right. Like, there's always something. And it might be at work, it might be at home, and it might be at school, it might be at church, it might be in your small group, it might be in a big group, it might be in any number of places, it might be a, just an activity you're doing, but how easy is it even in the midst of something good happening, to find something not so good. A judgmental, a, a being judgmental of action and intention. How easy that is, right? This is, this is so easy to fall into. These are honestly things that me and you, we do without thinking, right? And understanding and remembering, well, why are we talking about this? Because in my experience, it withers everything good inside of us. It steals joy. Right? It steals my ability to even recognize truth to love people well. I'm always finding something. I'm always finding a judgment of action and intention. Nobody ever seems to measure up. You always think, man, there's always just not measuring up. Okay. Critical spirit tells us this. Focusing on the negative when discussing people or situations. 
Uh, it's so easy to become problem-centered. And again, this isn't just centered around a church environment. This happens at work. This happens in, in, in social places. This happens at coffee shops. This happens at pubs. This happens in families. This, this kind of cycle that we get into without even thinking. of like, what's coming out of my mouth? And what if I could visualize this idea of kind of this just wilting inside of me? Of why am I not experiencing the joy of Jesus? This makes it extremely difficult. Yeah. <clears throat> extremely difficult. Complaining. There, there's more of an outlet today than ever to complain. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the joke. If you're if you're like a sports fan and you get on message boards, right? That's kind of the joke. It's like, you know, what would it I oftentimes wonder, I'm not on them, but I would I would wonder if somebody were to go on and say, hey, you know, let's not be so hard on the coach here. I mean, you probably get eaten up. That's a world you don't want to be in. But we have the ability to complain and to be critical anonymously today. Like that muscle has been like, we have the availability to flex that muscle constantly. Rarely pleased when I have a critical spirit. I'm rarely pleased. A critical spirit is an expert on everything. And so I have to be critical. Because I already know that you're wrong. Perhaps though, and this is not tongue in cheek. This is actually serious. Like there are some, you're gifted at discernment. Like you are, you actually are gifted at discerning a situation evaluating it accurately and understanding when maybe others aren't that, hey, something's not right here. Or I can see something and recognize it as being off or recognizing it in some way, shape, or form. And here's the thing is, is my goal isn't to say that that is not valuable. My, my warning is Galatians 6, 1, okay? And what Galatians 6, 1 says is, is like, hey, there's somebody who's in a sin, like, like, help them. Those who are spiritual, restore them. Restore them gently, but be careful that you're not tempted. Okay? That, that doesn't mean that you're going to be tempted with their sin. That, that's not what that means. It's not like that. It means, no, that you're going to be tempted to enter into this critical and judgmental already. Okay? Be careful that it's not tempting to go, see, that's what's wrong with you. Right? Be careful not to enter into that. And I bet all of us in here would go, boy, that's a tricky one right there. That's a tricky one. All right. So I wanted to put that up there. Let's look at some scripture. Let's kind of get an, an idea of what we're talking about. I've shared this, Matthew 7, 1. If I were to, if, if I were to sit down in my journey of like depression, okay, and, and kind of share with you kind of like, Things improving and growing and overcoming and like God changing that. I would say Matthew 7 has been one of the most helpful passages I've encountered, okay? But he says, don't judge so you won't be judged. For by the standard you judge, you will be judged and the measure you use will be the measure you receive, okay? And that word doesn't mean a, a don't judge. Like it's, it, what it's talking about is a critical condemnation where you can't possibly know the answers to what you're making a judgment to. 
said, don't do that to people. And I can just tell you in my own personal experience, and maybe you're having this as well, is man, when that's in your head, okay, and that's happening, joy has no place, right? Because we're deciding something that we can't have all the information. And oftentimes where my thoughts go, my feelings and my heart go, right? Right? So he says this, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God without blemish, though you live uh, in a crooked and perverse society in which you shine as lights in the world. Do everything without it. And, and again, th this is a muscle that I'm fine, like when it's not flexed a lot, it's like, it's kind of just what comes out of our mouth is like, being critical and being complaining and finding ways wrong with things and all that kind of stuff. He says, man, do everything without arguing or grumbling. Love is patient and kind. It doesn't envy. It's not boastful and conceited. It doesn't act improperly. It isn't selfish or provoked. and doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Here's the interesting thing about a critical spirit is, is a critical spirit and being kind can't operate together. Those two things can't happen. So if love is kind and love is patient and these things, then a critical spirit will actually keep me from this. And so hopefully you can even maybe connect the dots and go, wow, I mean, Jesus has told us this really amazing thing that I want my joy inside of my people and I want it fully and completely inside of them. And the way that's going to be attained is for them to follow me and follow the way I'm telling them to live. And primarily what I'm telling them to do as they live is to love people like I've loved them. Okay. And so then when we begin like examining like my humility or my critical spirit or something like that, I start seeing, oh, I become my own worst enemy. Like, oh my goodness, man. Like I am fighting against the very thing that Jesus is going, no, this is, I have this for you. Okay. Revelation 12, 10 here. Bear with me. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of the Messiah have now come because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown out. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. Unfortunately, sometimes a critical spirit leads us to doing the same work that Satan himself does. He's talking about Satan here. He says, the accuser of our brothers who's accusing them before God all the time, man, it's a hard truth to go, man, I may have been speaking in a way that resembles Satan way more than it does Jesus, right? Because that's what he's doing, is this. So family affection uh, to one, oh, this one. Finally, brothers, whatever is true and noble and just and pure, lovely and admirable, exceptional and praiseworthy, if there's any moral excellence and if there's any praise, dwell on these things, okay? Is this idea of um, critical spirit doesn't fit into any of those. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another as God forgave you for. That's in Ephesians 4. And then Mark 7, 21. This is a killer right here. For from within. This is where these things come from. For from within, out of the human heart, come evil ideas and immorality, sexual morality and theft and murder and adultery and greed and evil and deceit and debauchery and 
envy and slander and pride and folly. All these things come from within and defile a person. The hard truth in a lot of this is this is it's coming from inside of me. It's coming from inside of us when we're experiencing a critical spirit. It's coming from the things that are inside. And so why is that helpful? Because it's going to be helpful for us to not shun the responsibility and the personal accountability of going, I'd be different if it was just different somewhere else. Wow. If this hadn't happened, it would be different. No, no, no. It's from within that these things come from. I'm critical because I believe I know things that I don't. That's one of the that's one of the huge starting places of a critical spirit, right? And and again, um, we'll we'll go back. I mean, if you'd like, I can send you the. I, I went through a lot of passages and a lot of scripture, one after the other. Okay, but here, here's the truth: I'm critical because I believe I know things that I don't. I'm critical because I'm afraid and want to protect myself. Can I tell you how many times I've recognized my own critical spirit and it's been a full-on attempt like what's underneath it is I'm scared and I need to grasp onto something to give me like a sense to protect myself. And that might just be a criticism of some idea or a thought or a thing or whatever. You know, going, man, I don't like that. I'm going to criticize it because I'm afraid. I'm critical because I want to, in some way, attempt to seize control of an outcome. If I can do that. Now, here's, I will say this, is none of these work. Okay? Like, if you're writing those down as far as, like, best practices of critical spirit, that's not what that is. This actually doesn't work. Okay? Is the critical spirit does not therefore mean that I know everything. Okay? A critical spirit does not protect me. It is not a refuge. It isn't a rock of my salvation. It isn't a safe house. Right? And it certainly doesn't allow me to control an outcome. Right? These are kind of, these are things, truthfully, boy, they just take some time to marinate in, I think. I've had the opportunity to marinate in this. I'm giving this to you. This is this this is like being what what I've marinated in. I'm dumping on you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, it requires that because because it does go back to the examination of do I ever recognize a critical spirit in this. Do I recognize that? Like for me, here's what's very easy to do. Is you've heard me say it up here. You've heard me say it in, in, in times of just meeting in coffee shops and all that kind of stuff. Of, of we'll encounter something and go, what do the scriptures teach about that? I think we need to always say that. I think we need to go back and go, hey, whatever's going on in life, what does the scriptures teach about that? What I haven't been as good about 
is in when it comes to a critical spirit or a relate of going, hold on, what does the scripture teach about that? Because there is our morality and there is our actions and there are decisions that the scriptures teach clearly on how to be. But the scripture also teaches clearly how we are like in our own spirit of, of an uncritical. The scripture is very clear. Be kind. Be gentle. Right? The scripture is clear on those things. And I find that I flex that muscle less, and maybe you have too, and maybe you haven't. Maybe, listen, there's those of us in here, you do this, fantastic. But this isn't a way of our world either. This isn't the way of our world, okay? It isn't, oftentimes we, this, this even comes into the roots of what we talked about before of comparing and competing with one another. Well, this is one of the most vital tools that we use in comparing and competing with each other is a critical spirit. I don't have to be better than you. I just have to be able to take you down. Right? These are powerful tools and they're not powerful tools of Jesus. The critical spirit is not his powerful tool. Right? So all in all, Keith is saying, just put on rose-colored glasses. Like, come on, man. I mean, stop worrying about stuff that is serious. Right? Like, you don't have to deal with sin. That's what I'm saying, right? You don't have to deal with sin. You don't have to handle all the scripture that talks about how we have to do that. Like, stop being so critical, preacher. Like, I like this. This rose-colored glasses because, man, I don't have to have conflict. Isn't that great? Except that's not in any way what Jesus is teaching not what he's saying at all, okay? And we'll go back to this passage here from Matthew 7, where he said, don't judge. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye that doesn't notice the log in yours? How can you say, let me take the speck out? And look, there's a log in your eye. He said, first take the log out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. What he's talking about the log is judgmental, critical spirit. Is listen, there is no helping one another until that log is removed. And he says, then you can see clearly how to help. It's the elimination of a judgmental, condemning, critical spirit where I've just been thinking all of these things and go, hold on a minute. When that goes away, now I can act- we can actually speak into that. So I haven't found a way to eliminate conflict. I haven't found a way where we stop dealing with sin in the way Jesus would deal with sin. I, have, I haven't found a way where we can just eliminate all of the uncomfortable, interpersonal sides of our relationship. All of those, those things will be there. But I do know with what Jesus' teaching is, is a condemning, critical spirit keeps me from being able to help and uh, interact in the way Jesus did. It begins to help me understand how did Jesus interact with such a sinful world and not just throw his hands up in the air and like, like, like I have, I, I, I read five or six or seven chapters of, of Jesus' ministry and I'm like, I call it a day. I mean, if Jesus is just going, just take me home, this is it, there's no use for these people. 
the only way I can imagine, the only ways I've experienced in my own life, okay, is an abandonment of a critical spirit. Okay, because not only does a critical spirit, a condemning spirit, a gossiping spirit, a slanderous, a complaining spirit, not only does it prevent kind of that influx of joy, okay, it's an energy drainer. It is an energy drainer. I don't have, so, so again, all of these things, so how do we follow Jesus as an apprentice and take his teaching serious and interact with a fallen world and to be able to not just give in and, and, and kind of have this kind of lazy view of sin and have, uh, you know, how, how do we keep the level of, of spirituality that Jesus calls us to? Right? We still, all of those things as apprentices of Jesus, he is teaching us to boldly go in with his words. But rejecting a critical spirit while we do it. <laughs> I've told you these things. Yeah, could you imagine Jesus, you know, could, could you imagine if he sat down and said this to you? you know, I've told you this stuff. I, I've told you these things so that my joy, uh, that would be a great question. Jesus, could you just show me what your joy is? Just give me a glimpse. No, he's like, it's it. I'm, I want it in you fully. Can you imagine that he intends that on this earth? He's not talking about, yeah, later I'll pass it on to you. Could you imagine living in a way? That intrigues me because I'm a recovering curmudgeon. Okay? I'm I'm just prideful and and all kinds of things going on in my head, man, and going, hold on a minute. This elusiveness of joy oftentimes. And I'm going, wow, okay, I get this. I get it. This is pretty amazing. My command is this, to love one another just as I have loved you. Okay, There's a lot of meat on that bone right there. There's a lot of meat. It's going to be really tough to do it. Either in a way where I'm not teachable by Jesus or the lack of humility or I've got an embedded critical spirit. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.